The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp. On the show today, the DIE mob sinks its teeth into the Moody Bible Institute. And also we'll look to strengthen our faith in the Bible by looking at some biblical archaeology. We have a great show today, so let's get to it. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. <laughs> and we are grateful that you're joining us today. Um, if you're new here, don't let the name fool you. We are very Christian folks, very religious folks. Uh, but the world, and especially this nation that we're in, is not. Uh, it's becoming increasingly secular, very religionless, you could say. Um, so that, in part, is where the name comes from. But we're going to do today what we try to do every week, and that is look at some of the stories from around the country and around the world uh, from a Christian perspective and just try to make sense of it all and help, I guess, all of us together walk a life that's pleasing to God in a world that seems to hate him. Uh, so we do only have really the one main story to go through with DIE and then some cool biblical archaeology uh, mm -hmm. that we want to talk about. But before we get to all of it, is there anything you'd like to say, prayer requests, anything of that sort? Yeah, just pray for our safety on our trip to Michigan. Um, yeah, we're going to try and have fun and stay at Great Wolf Lodge at one stop. The kids have never been there. They're going to love that. And we do have our 20-year high school reunion to go to as well. <laughs> so I hope that goes well, I hope a lot of people show up. So, and by a lot of people, we had um, forty-three, I think, in our graduating <laughs> class. So, so if half the people show up with their spouses, we might have a full class. <laughs> It'll be good. Yeah. Um, for my prayer requests, so I just started um, my next round of classes. Well, class uh, in seminary, uh, starting some Old Testament studies, which I'm pretty excited about. But. Um, so first, pray that, you know, I would learn, my faith would grow, all of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But then also, um, we are reducing the amount that we do for the podcast. So we're not doing the daily devotionals anymore for this semester, just so that I can have time to devote to study. I don't want to be, you know, lacking in my studies just to get a devotional out. So we're going to step back from the devotionals just for a couple months and then come back with them um, in the winter. So just pray that I learn, my faith grows deeper and all of that sort of stuff. You know what's cool? The boys for their Bible this year and their um, whatever, they're going to do online. What's the same um, program? What do you say? Right, their homeschool <laughs> Alpha, program. Omega. <laughs> um, yeah, they're doing Old Testament survey is what it's called. It's good. Maybe we can help each other yeah, then. Um, I know. <laughs> I'll make sure that Elf and Omega is walking the straight and narrow there with what they're teaching. Um, 
but then also pray. So for those, those of you that have been here for a while, you know that I was doing the jail ministry back in Florida, really enjoyed doing that. Well, I reached out to um, the chaplain. There's two jails that have a good news jail and prison ministry. Both of them are about three and a half hours away from us. So I reached out to one, um, spoke with them on the phone for a while. So starting in September, I'm going to go up there and maybe try to go once a month or so, start getting back in the jails and doing Bible studies. So where was the other location? The there was one in uh, southern New Mexico, kind of near the border. The other one's up in southern Colorado. I was thinking um, they just didn't have any in New Mexico. No, they do. And, you know, my intent or my thought process was that the jail close to the Mexican border would probably have better need of a Hispanic speaking volunteer, which I don't true. speak Spanish. Uh, so that may be true or not. I don't know. But that's the reason why I went with the one in Colorado. I just figured there might be well, more. They might just have it separated, the English speaking attend the well they do for the most part but you know that was my thought process so either way um prayer request is that it would go well that i would get back in there and it would be a blessing to me and the the men in jail as well Um, so i'm excited about that Mm -hmm. now let's go ahead and get our plugs out of the way here oh and i will just say well let's get the plugs out and then i'll mention this so you guys know that we are proud members of the christian podcast community That's a great place to go find about 50 to 60 good sort of indie Christian podcasts, Um, everything from live call-in shows to, you know, live sort of theology shows, apologetics, homeschool, whatever you're into, uh, they probably have something there for you. And um, also, you guys know we love Team Cardinal, Cardinal Contingency Solutions. We talked about Haiti last week. You know, another missionary kidnapped in Haiti seems to be a common theme. So uh, the gospel needs to go out into the all the world, um, but there's a lot of places in the world that are pretty dangerous. Um, so if you're going to send missionaries out, consider reaching out to Cardinal. See what kind of training, what kind of preparation they can give you before you step out the door. Uh, I'm sure your missionaries got the Bible training down pat. Um, but you need to go and get the sort of environmental training, you know, the uh, what you're going to encounter, the people groups, all these sort of things. Um, you can get trained up in that before you step out the door. And Cardinal is the people you want to talk to to get that kind of training. So they'll have links in the show notes as well. And then we'll finish with our shameless plugs here. If you guys want to help the show here, which we would like you to do, uh, the easiest way to do that is uh, to... Well, since I clicked on the wrong one, you can support the show. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, we got affiliate links. We got um, a buy me a coffee in the show notes. If you want to just use the affiliate links, it doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small percentage. That just helps to go, you know, to help support the show, to do things like fix computers when they stop working. <laughs> um, but also you can like and subscribe, you know, just real simple. Drop a like, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Rumble, Facebook. If you're on the podcast, please consider leaving a review. Um, Five-star reviews would be very nice. Those certainly help. All right. So uh, last thing that I was going to mention before we get rolling, uh, this podcast, difficult to get to. Um, A lot of technical difficulties. For whatever reason, my nice, you know, many thousand dollar editing computer 
just doesn't want to work right now, which is cool. <laughs> so if you can hear my laptop fans going crazy in the background, she's doing all she can to make sure this podcast goes off without a hitch. Got a lot of uh, moving parts here. So we'll hope that it works out well, that I can edit this on the laptop, which I think it'll do well, but um, took a little bit to get here. So praise God we're here. All right, to the story. Do you want to read, honey, this first headline? Christian College asks Federal Appeals Court to protect religious beliefs about female pastors. Yes, the diversity, inclusion, and equity folks, right? Uh, this is their Apostles' Creed, D-I-E. Um, the new Apostles' Creed for our nation's state religion of pride. Oh, and it's in Chicago. I was going to say, we're passing through there. We could stop by. <laughs> yeah, stop by and, uh, you know, say a prayer for them. I did send a post on X, I guess is what they're calling them now, Twitter to Moody, uh, just to encourage them to stand strong. But, yep, DIE, uh, the claws are out and they're coming for, I think, I mean, as far as I understand, Moody's one of the more notable Christian colleges and seminaries in the country. So that's a shame. All right, do you want to read some of these paragraphs? Um, a Christian college has asked a federal appeals court to protect its religious beliefs regarding men and women in leadership following a lawsuit by a former employee that accuses the institution of discrimination. Yeah, DIE attacking the church, and I would say it's purposeful, right? Um, and in fact, not just attacking the church— but they're actually, you know, they're attacking God ultimately because mm -hmm. um, the claim by this employee that we're going to talk about is ultimately that God is discriminatory. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what, what they're going to do when they're attacking a seminary's beliefs. So, you know, as this nation, you know, we talk about it a lot, but as they continue to sort of worship this new state religion of pride, I think these DIE acolytes, they're going to look for ways to attack and destroy the Christian faith and its institutions. Um, we've been talking about that for a while now. Uh, I think we, you know, watched that YouTube video months and months ago now where they made this kind of specific case of going after the seminaries. And here we go. Um, although this one kind of took place a couple years ago when this lawsuit was actually filed and now mm -hmm. they're just coming before the courts now. So, all right, we can continue. And how many more of these are there? <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's really? many. And there'll be many more if this doesn't go the right way. All right, we're going to read several paragraphs here. On Monday, the Christian College filed an opening brief with the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit with support from the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. Christian Poland of Brian Cave, Leighton uh, Paisner, is also representing Moody Bible Institute. The brief asks the court to consider whether the federal judiciary should interfere with internal religious disputes, and if the former employees' claims are barred by the church autonomy doctrine and Title VII's religious exemption. Yeah, so it's kind of a battle between mm. uh, Title VII's religious exemptions yeah. and Title IX's DIE mandates. So we'll see uh, who walks away the winner here, I guess. <laughs> All right. It says, in an interview with the Christian Post, Daniel Blomberg, I was going to say Bloomberg, it's Blomberg, sure. uh, vice president and senior counsel for Beckett, explained that Moody Bible Institute 
requires staff to adhere to its core statement of faith. One of those beliefs is that both men and women are called to religious ministry. However, the church office of pastor is reserved for men. As Blomberg noted, Janae Garrick, who is the former employee taking Moody to court, um, she was aware of the school's position when she joined Moody's faculty, and she signed a yearly application stating that she supported the college's views, as Moody requires its staff to affirm its beliefs each year. Garrick's actions while employed by the school indicated that she did not share Moody's views. However, in October 2015 and January 2016, two female students approached Garrick because they wanted to enter Moody's pastoral ministry program, which is closed to women. The former Moody employee helped one of the students lodge a Title IX complaint against the college. In addition, Garrick founded the Respect for Women Personally and Ministerially in 2015, where she announced the Title IX complaint and argued prohibiting women from the pastoral ministry program was discrimination, according to the lawsuit. That was a lot. Uh, <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. And it makes my blood boil. Uh, just these types of people, the Janae Garricks of the world, make my blood boil. It's like yeah. the mindset that you know, everything must be torn down. Everything must be uprooted, yeah. turned on its head. You know, these old religions, they must be destroyed all to make way for the new religion. Um, and this woman, we can assume, is a faithful adherent to the nation state religion of pride, not Christ, as she might claim. At least that's the way I take it. Um, and in fact, we don't even need to assume. <laughs> we can just go to her LinkedIn profile to find out. So here's Janae Garrick's LinkedIn profile, writer on religion, gender, power, justice, memoir in progress. Uh, need we say gender more, right, power. about her, uh, her ideology, it says who everything. she is, right? Just right there, you know exactly. You know exactly who you're dealing with, right? Huh. Um, I pulled this other paragraph from this. Let me see if I can find it. Um. I can't find it, but it says in this article, we'll have all the articles linked as we always do. You guys can go read these for yourselves. I just don't want to bore you while I'm skimming through here. But it says, Moody Bible Institute requires staff to adhere to its core statement of faith. Mm -hmm. One of those beliefs is that both men and women are called to religious ministry. However, the church office of pastor is reserved for men. So I would say, you know, and I don't know much about Moody Bible Institute, but I would say at least in this matter, they seem to teach scripture. So that's good on Moody. Um, but this is progressive Christianity here with Janae Garrick, the uh, writer on religion, gender, and power. Like, if you even want to call it Christianity at all, because, you know, I might disagree. But uh, as with all progressive Christians, and this is something we've talked about on here plenty, right? Their politics inform their faith, mm -hmm. not the other way around, yeah. which is what it should be. As a Christian, your Christian faith should inform your politics and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, but with the progressive Christian, they're progressives first, and then they make faith fit into that. Yeah, like Christianity has to evolve. Yeah, it has to evolve. Yeah. You know, hey, 
feminism's here, deal with it, Christianity, right? Um, all those sorts of things. So never mind the fact that she signed this statement of faith every year that it worked there. So the article says, you know, so what, right? Um, in my opinion, lying to a heathen, that's just part of the game. Um, you know, the old communist uh, mantra of the ends justify the means, right? Um, you know, so what, right? She lied to Moody about agreeing with their statement of faith. You know, who cares, right? If she can take their money and destroy a foundational principle uh, of what their faith is, you know, do them both at the same time, that's a win-win. Uh, you know, and maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but that's the way I see it from the outside looking in. I'm open to be corrected, and um, maybe there's, you know, more to this story. Uh, as we get into Janae's responses to this, there's certainly, she has um, different ideas about it. But, you know, so let's go and look at um, Janae Garrick, right? We looked at her um, LinkedIn profile. So let's go and look at who she is. She has her own website, Janae Garrick Writer. Uh, her about section here. She's an emerging second career writer residing in California, um, where she writes from her Nana's pink secretary desk, apparently. Um, mm. But you can read through here. And um, if you care to know, I guess, necessarily who this woman, Janae Garrick, is, that's just a few paragraphs. Enough. Yeah, it's short. But, you know, hey, someone that's important enough for Christ Church to change course after all these years, you may want to know who she is, right? Um, and what's interesting too, when you read through her website here, it tells you about her from the third person perspective, which is pretty interesting and humble, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, she's an emerging writer, not I'm an emerging writer. Janae Garrick is an emerging writer. Um, hmm. And then she says down here, her work's move among sacred texts, theology, and poetry in the dusty stories of earth. <laughs> and, uh, uh, if you looked on her uh, LinkedIn profile again, it's interesting and fitting, I suppose, that this new writer would choose as a topic of her first book a memoir. <laughs> so the topic of her first book is herself. You know, why not, right? Um, you know, nothing's more interesting and nothing's more important than self will the worldly. read it because of, you know, she's fighting for justice and gender. Nobody's going to read this unless it's promoted by some, you know, left-wing progressive organization. Because, I mean, maybe there's more avid readers than me, but when was the last time you read a biography or a memoir? about just somebody that wasn't like a national or worldwide figure. Like who are you? Why a memoir about? It's like you are assuming you're going to go down in history as someone whose name is remembered and people I mean, are going to want to read it. You know, if you're the kind of person who's going to demand that the Christian faith turn on its head after 2000 years, maybe you are a world changer. You know, who knows, but what a story, right? One woman's stand against God in 2,000 years of biblical truth because of feminism. What a story, right? Sounds compelling. Maybe to somebody, I probably won't pick it up. 
just to be honest. But um, so that's who Janae Garrick is, this woman who has decided Moody Bible Institute, after all, you know, 130 years of existence or whatever happens to be, it's time that they change their stance because feminism, right? Um, so let's see who Janae Garrick is. Or not sorry, who, but what she, uh, her stance on the matter here. So we kind of read the Christian Post article on the school stance, very brief um, on the school stance, but let's see um, what she had to say. This is the article that she wrote on her website about it. It's titled, You're Egalitarian, You're Fired. And uh, I think a better title for that would be, She Lied to Her Employer for Many Years and When Found Out. She was fired. But that's my story, not hers. So as I was reading it, I I kind of see the other side of this. She's not the only bad guy in oh, my eyes. Girl power. Here um, we go. No. I'm just come kidding. on. So she said at her Chicago campus interviews, she brought up um Seven, there were seven program heads and the vice presidents and deans, I guess, of different campuses. Um, so she brought it up that she was egalitarian and that she actually, as a, um, she's an ordained minister. She is. But so she didn't lie. She brought those things up in the interview. So they knew about it and they hired her anyways. Um, so I think that she was thinking it was a big deal. She brought it up and she even, um, like she stated that she had concerns with the statement of beliefs and the gender roles in ministry, like right from the start, she said she had issue with that, um, in her blog here. So she didn't lie at the beginning, but she continued with the lie and others were had to have been lying. Like if they hired her and then they went and turned around and fired her for the thing that she was truthful about from the start. You know what I mean? Right. And certainly if this is the case, then shame on Moody and these uh these department heads and deans, whoever she says she talked to. But we don't know if that's true. We're we literally getting one right. person side of the story. And yeah, this is just for me. I mean, you guys can disagree with this, but um, I'm always going to take at least the perceived Christian side of things until proven otherwise. So as this court proceeding goes along, maybe there'll be more stuff that comes out that proves right. that her side of the story is 100% accurate. But me going into this, again, I would, you know, and just being honest, I would question her actual devoutness. Um, as a Christian, as we'll get into later here, but, um, you know, so I question her faith first and foremost. Um, maybe that's wrong, but that's just my uh, beliefs here. And I would choose to trust Moody until proven otherwise. Um, right. Not I that agree. I know them necessarily, yeah. but again, it's very easy to just say. from I'd... her side of the story, you have to hold on to those other things. Right. That's why Moody I'm saying I'm and... holding, I'm reserving the right to walk it back and go, well, she was right. Shame on Moody. Um, but until that time, I, I would know, just I say. I hope it's not true. Like, that's a pretty big lie. Yeah. Because that's a lot of witnesses. If there were that many people there at her interviews. Right. But just consider the world we live in, right? Just a few years ago, we had a woman willing to go and sit in front of Congress and tell you how Brett Kavanaugh raped her 
And it was all completely fabricated, yeah. complete and utter lie from the very, we just had a Russian collusion, an entire political party that went to the mattresses to tell you about how Donald Trump is this spy. So people, especially far leftists, have no bones about outright blatant lies. Not saying that's Janae Garrick, but that is a world that we're living in. So again, when you're presented with two options, just for me as a Christian, one, at least, and again, I don't know these people from Moody, but it's Moody Bible Institute. So I'm assuming they're Christian folk. And we know Janae Garrick a little bit. She's a, you know, feminist, progressive Christian. My natural instinct is I'm going to trust Moody until proven otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just the way uh, I'm wired, I suppose. Well, here's the part where she talks about it a little. She said, at at my hiring in December 2014, Moody Bible Institute provided me a full-time faculty position knowing that I was both ordained and egalitarian and a woman, I might add. (laughs) During the hiring process, a high-level administrator had called me and asked me to remove my ordination line from my resume making it unclear to me as I move forward in the hiring process exactly which administrators knew of my ordination and which did not. So for me, it just seems strange that they would even hire someone who would be at odds with the statement of beliefs, um, but that they, they didn't see how this could cause problems a short time after. Like right. what could go and wrong? I think <laughs> she even mentions in her article somewhere, I've I believe that, you know, this is why they moved her. She was a professor of like communications Mm -hmm. and, you know, her uh, claim is they moved her there because of her egalitarian beliefs. And they thought, you know, well, we'll hire you, but we'll just, we'll put you over here and, you know, communications, which again, if that's the case, still shame on them. They shouldn't have hired her if she was not agreeing with their statement of faith. Um, And that's not uncommon for seminaries. I go to the master's seminary. And every professor that teaches at the master's has to agree with the master's doctrinal statement in all areas, right? So even if you are 98%, but you disagree on end times, you're post-mill and they're pre-mill, you can't work there. And I'm 100% okay with that. This is a seminary, right? This isn't just, you know, your local state university. So that could have been the case where they, hey, just be quiet about it, right? You're qualified, just... If you don't make a big stink about the whole egalitarian stuff, we're happy to have you. Maybe they thought she'd change her views over time. Maybe they did. But again, maybe if they just thought, we'll put you over here, just do us a favor. Don't make a big deal of this. But her being ordained, like that's the part they wanted to hide. The main thing. Well, right. They didn't want uh, that. She didn't, they didn't want that on the resume. Are you, I won't even go into it. Uh, That's anyways, uh, move along. Maybe, right. I mean, and I would imagine, right? Because Moody, if they teach male-only pastorship and you have a woman who's claiming to be an ordained pastor, doesn't look good. So, but again, if that's true, right? We don't know what Moody knew. Um, She signed these statements of faith, even if she says, well, behind the scenes, everybody knew and they were on board. And well, maybe, but we don't know any of that, right? We weren't privy to those conversations. Maybe it'll come out. We'll see in time. But um, again, if you're asking me to choose right now, uh, I'm going to just tend to lean towards Moody on this. But she goes in in her article here. She says, after working at Moody Bible Institute for two and a half years as a communications professor, 
Moody administration informed me in April 2017 that they would not be renewing my teaching contract for the next academic year. Why? Because I hold to the egalitarian view, which is not the view of the Institute, they said. Um, so I guess that's part of the reason um, why she thinks she was fired. It goes on down here just a little bit more and says, as an egalitarian, I believe in biblical equality that God created women as the equals of men, or more aptly, that God created men as the equals of women. I believe that women should not be excluded from any role, function, or office within any sphere, work, church, or home. So this is her uh, strong stance here. And boy, just it comes across to me as victim. Yeah. And is there anything more progressive than the victim mindset? Um, you know, she was fired simply for believing different and never mind that she doesn't go in there to go, well, you know what? At least they had me for a few years and I was blessed for it. No, no, no. She's a victim. It was unfair that they fired her, even though she disagreed. Um, and again, never mind that she was working for a religious institution where what you believe actually means everything. Again, this isn't a state university where it's like, well, is she doing the job? Well, is she all, you know, qualified. No, a religious institution, what you believe actually means a great deal. Um, so if that's the only reason she was fired, I think it's a valid reason. Um, if they, again, if they find out or even whatever, if it even comes out, Hey man, I heard that you guys hired this girl and just kind of shuffled her off, but she doesn't agree. She's an ordained minister. What's going on? And they're like, yeah, it looks bad. Um, I guess we should maybe clean this up and get rid of her. Okay, I'm still fine with it. It's like how many other people are working there and they don't hold the same view and they're just lying as well. I mean, yeah. there might, but, and again, I'd be fine with them being fired. It's like, if you remember the Rachel Dolezal from years ago, she was like the head of the NAACP in Washington or whatever. And she was like pretending to be like this black woman. And then it came out that she was a white lady that just like dressed and told people she was black and they fired her. And you're like, yeah, she should have been fired. Like that's a first. I mean, not that's that that's strange. Yeah. That's like, and they may not have had a mandate that we have to have a black woman, but either way. Right. If I think I'm hiring you first because you're this one person. It turns out you're lying to me. Then I'm firing you. Like I'm fine with that. So in a religious institution, what you believe actually is vitally important. Yeah. Um, and the question to ask her is, why did you even go to work at Moody? She knew what Moody taught, and it was opposed to what she taught. Like, I wouldn't go and work at Union Seminary in New York. They don't believe what I believe. Why would I go and work there, right, in a faith-based environment? Go and find something that um, adheres to the same faith, right? It just It's bizarre, right? She's the victim, yet somehow... You know, she was the one pulling the wool over their eyes, mm -hmm. just the same, but there's no recognition yeah. of that. Why go work for them? It's just bizarre. I don't know. It just She wanted a paycheck from them. It had to be just whatever they were paying her. I don't know. But I just Could think as a Christian, like, if I didn't agree with a religious institution statement of faith, statement of beliefs, and they were fine with hiding the opposing beliefs I held, that would make me not trust that religious institution. And I would 
just move on and apply somewhere else. Cause I'd be, it'd be weird. Like, oh, you guys, you don't really care. Like, I just don't want to, it just doesn't seem right. Like as a Christian to want to be like, all right, let's hide this together. Let's both lie. It looks bad. I think either way for Janae Garrick, like, right. Why would you go and work for an institution that disagreed with your beliefs? And then why would you stay working you for a supposed religious institution that's willing to cover up and mislead? Right. You knew you shouldn't have been hired. Like you were going along with the lie. If it's true that you told them that many people the interviews. And, you know, and- it's one thing if you're just Joe Christian who's like, well, I go to church, but whatever, it's a job. She's supposedly this ordained pastor who her beliefs and she's going to change the environment because of how strongly and passionately she believes. Yeah, you're okay. Just kind of like, you know, go along with the lie. It's cool. The paycheck's mm-hmm. still cash, right? It's all good. So I really hope there's not sides. that many people I don't think like there that are. there. I don't think there are. I mean, there may be more now. DIE is, you know, in full blown attack on Christianity. Yeah, you don't know how many people have snuck in to all these places. I mean, just. Just colleges in general, you know, why not Christian colleges? Right. I mean, they did this with normal universities. I mean, the communists and the secularists overtook our normal, you know, public education spheres to the point now where most of your public education, even the colleges and stuff are almost entirely left leaning mm-hmm. in the, you know, the professors and the, you know, administrators. So why wouldn't they go? We can just do that in seminary as well and go and pervert the faith too. So, um, but like, why would you go there, right? There's plenty of seminaries in this country and around the world that teach from an egalitarian perspective. And if you read her bio, she even graduated from Fuller Seminary. And Fuller Seminary is fully on board with women in ministry. This is their page here. If you're watching on YouTube, it says, Equality Called or equally called, I'm sorry, women in ministry. This is our commitment from Fuller Seminary, where Janae Garrett graduated. Fuller welcomes women equally into all its programs, and the seminary is committed to making its resources fully available to women as they pursue the professions and ministries to which the Lord has called them. All who teach and study in Fuller's programs are expected to honor this commitment. Under no condition may the authority of the classroom be used to challenge the calling of any student on the basis of gender. So she could have went and worked for her alma mater and would have had no issues. Yeah. Yet you go to Moody, the one that doesn't accept women in the pastoral role. Um, You know, very strange. And again, like we talked about, it does call into her question, her credibility. Just the same. Well, I was going to say, like, it's one thing for her to, you know, work there knowing she shouldn't. But it's another thing what she did with that girl that wanted to enroll in the the pastoral program, her knowing that she was going against those beliefs. It's like, that's what happens when you, if it's true that they hired someone that they knew was against their beliefs, why would she not cause more damage? Right. And that's the other thing too, right? She goes in there and she says, oh, they fired me because of my egalitarian beliefs. No, you actually took the school to court over their religious beliefs. Like, yeah. so if they actually hired you and just like, hey, just, you know, kind of keep it quiet. Just We're happy to have you. And, be and then quiet. you're like, I'm <laughs> no. suing you for discrimination. They're like, 
I guess our hands are tied then. We need yeah. to let you go, right? Yeah. You know? So even that, right? So they didn't fire her for the reason they said then. Hey, you know what would be great? Let's sue them because of what they believe. And they're like, isn't this a religious school? Yeah, but who cares? Diversity, inclusion, and equity, right? Feminism, girl power. Let's sue them. <laughs> oh, they fired me? This is outrageous. Uh, not that outrageous. Um, but I do want to point out one more part from her story. And uh, we'll link again this blog post as well. You can go give it a read yourself if you want to know fully her perspective on the matter. Um, it's really just a one-sided listing of, you know, all of the supposed abuses that she suffered. And again, could be true. We don't know, right? We're just, uh, on the outside looking in. Um, I doubt it that all of it's true, but as I read through this, you know, the thought that came to my mind was Proverbs eighteen seventeen. It says the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. Yeah. So we'll see if her case holds up as this goes to court. Um, but you know, like Nikki said, you read this case and it's like, boy, they were really, Moody was really in the wrong. Well, sure. I mean, you go and talk to a divorcee, talk to the husband and ask him about the wife. She did everything wrong and yeah. he was a king. And you ask her, he was a monster and she did every, like, that's just human well, nature, they right? They encouraged her to lie year after year. Well, we don't know that, so, right? We're assuming so because that's what, what she I'm says. What I'm saying is she is a liar. She has proven to be a liar. Yeah. So why would this not all be lies that she's saying? Moody hired me because I was a great liar. And then they asked me to lie and that offended me. Like, okay. <laughs> um, so, but she goes on here. This is the last part that I'll read from this. She says, Moody teaches and adheres to a complementarian view on gender roles in ministry. A religious tenet that dictates that women are excluded from holding offices of power, not administered by men. Specifically, that in the church, the office of pastor is reserved exclusively for male candidates. And in the home, the husband has ultimate authority over the wife. Um, that's a big, uh, big complaint the that Bible she has. doesn't even say ultimate authority over the wife. Ultimate. No, right. Authority. That's a twisting of scripture. And they don't even say that either. No, but it does have authority, right? Over... The man is the head yeah. of the home. If she doesn't and, even believe that about the home, and yeah. Right, this is know? what we started, you know, talking about that. She's not necessarily attacking Moody. She's attacking God. She is, yeah. Because this isn't so. what Moody teaches. Um, this is what the Bible teaches. So Moody is teaching the Bible. The Bible teaches male headship in the cheer, uh, church, and it teaches male headship in the home, right? So her, you know, fight, is on a surface level with Moody, but ultimately her fight is with God and his word. Yep. So, um, you know, for Janae Garrick, God, his word, God's order, it's just not good enough for the modern feminist. So God needs to put out a newer testament that affirms women um, and flips uh, upside down his created order because it's just not good enough for 21st century women. But, uh, also, and we'll read this scripture because, you know, if Janae is this uh, ordained Christian pastor, whatever she happens to claim she is. From Fuller. Uh, I don't know if that's where she got ordained at or what. I'm not sure. But um, she does say she's ordained, right? She's a minister, a pastor, whatever happens to be. So then she certainly knows Paul's warning to the church in Corinth. 
Uh, so do you want to read this, honey? First Corinthians chapter six, and we just grabbed one through seven. Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to form the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. It is so that there, oh, is it so that there is not among you anyone wise who will be able to decide between his brothers and sisters? But brother goes to law with brother, and that before unbelievers? Actually, then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather suffer the wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Yeah, um, you know, Janae, it would seem she sees fit to go to the state to solve church matters. Um, well, she sees the church as her enemy is what it is. Yeah, she's not going to solve it brother to brother. And this is also, you know, something that bothers me a lot uh, is what I would consider just a sure sign of pride. And, and not to say that there are no situations where, you know, you don't fight for a belief or something, but the idea that, you know, you're this one person, Janae Garrick, and you're an entire Christian institute, which I would assume you had to have at some level um, admired the, uh, the, your coworkers, their beliefs and their study and all these sorts of things. And when an entire institution is going, you're not reading the Bible, right? Like, God teaches this and this sort of stuff. And you're just like, no, we're going to court. I refuse to be told otherwise. Like, okay, maybe some pride there. I mean, again, not on every matter, right? You know, we'd say Martin Luther was wrong. He stood against the Roman Catholic Church, I mean, but they know where she went before this. They had to know it was instilled in her very strongly. Right. And shame on Moody at the end of the day for hiring her. They should not hire anybody from that other institution was at Fuller. Yeah, I if yeah, you should just I would not hire not someone from Fuller from, from uh Union Seminary. I'd even be leery now, and it's a shame to say if they came from Spurgeon's College. <laughs> uh Rick yeah. Warren's college up there. So yeah. But ultimately, you know, we discussed this story, and it really has nothing to do with Janae or Moody, um, at least for us, right? They're just the instruments that are being used right now. This is about DIE, you know, the mm -hmm. diversity, inclusion, and equity mob coming for Christianity, which we have been talking about for some time. You know, it's also fitting that just last week, you know, we saw this story this week, and just last week we discussed how the Church of England and their parliament is getting involved in removing Anglican ministers that don't affirm women's roles in church leadership. So basically, Anglican ministers that affirm Christianity, <laughs> they're kicking them out of the Christian church. Go figure, right? You can just see them chipping away. Right. And, you know, we have the Constitution in this nation, freedom of religion, but that's not going to stop the nation's new religion and these DIE ac uh, acolytes. They're going to find workarounds, right? So it's not that you're not allowed to be a Christian. It's you took Title IX funds. Well, that's discrimination now. You have to let women be pastors. Even if you go, mm -hmm. yeah, but that's against our faith. No, that's discrimination. You can't do that. Now you must ordain women. Now you must go against your beliefs, 
even if you're a religious institution, it makes no difference, right? So these are the workarounds, right? Yeah. Um, that was in 2012 when they got their funds, when they started getting their funds. Yeah, 2012 when they started getting the funds, 2016 when she brought this lawsuit. And now it's, you know, before it, because I think what had happened, um, and you can read the articles, what had happened was uh, she took them to court. And her complaint was thrown out and because it was like too religious uh, yeah. focused. So the judge right. threw it out, which they should have. So then she basically reworded it a little bit, filed the complaint again, and they let the complaint stand on that. Um, Although she didn't completely get rid of. No, it's still it very religious. A religious yeah. Uh, is at least what the Christian post writes on mm -hmm. that. So, um, right. So. Now we're seeing diversity, inclusion, and equity. They found a, a gateway in, right? Strict adherence to God's word is discrimination. Um, you know, there's no religion or no freedom of religion, you could say, really, in this nation. Um, there's always a catch, isn't there? You can't get anything free right, from the government. There's a catch, and it's a You disagree one. with their state religion. You disagree with the religion of pride now? Not good enough. Um, yeah. If you want to bend the knee to pride, then they'll make room for you, right? Um, if you want to stand opposed to it, uh, no room for you like here. You can see how this is like a pattern, something that's going to go on in the last days, you know, where you can't buy or sell. You know, it, it is. It's little by little. You can see it happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, you want to keep your college doors open, huh? Yeah, we'd love for you to keep your college doors open. We won't take care of We're you. We're just going to go ahead and need you to ordain these women. You need to bow pastors. down to our God in order to keep getting our funds. Yeah, and we're going to go ahead and need on you an individual to level not discriminate against homosexuals being ordained either. That, you know, you can't discriminate based on well, sexual preference anymore either. Everything's about money. That's yeah. how Satan operates. The I mean, love of mammon. Yeah. Um, yep. But so why is this story important to Christians? You know, we like to do this on all of our main, main stories that we talk about. And I think it's important because this isn't just going to affect Moody. You know, uh, I hope, my hope, I guess, is that all seminaries, all Christian colleges, and even all churches down to the church level are taking heed of what's being done to Moody. Um, because I'm sure, like you mentioned earlier, I'm sure that they're not the only mm. college that's actually being attacked right now. They're just the one that we know about currently. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, I think this is a realm where if you're working at Moody, this is a realm of you either, you know, you go to jail, you get shut down, you get the doors closed. Uh, it's a stand that you have to make here. And it does sound like Moody walked back a little bit on the male-only restriction for their pastoral um, programs. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know. They're allowing, I think, women to go into those programs, but I don't know if they're ultimately, I don't know if they ordain people at the end of it or whatever, but they're allowing them to study. Um, hopefully, that's just while this is at trial. And once it gets settled, they can, you know, remove that. But I wish they would remove it now, right? Just... Yeah. Make your stand, because I think this is a uh, this is an area where you it just makes you look weak, like you're unsure, you lack faith. Like God will honor your faith. And I just wish right. they had that. Yeah, I mean, it makes it certainly look like you are you're choosing, you know, money over God. 
yeah. uh, in that sense, right? We can't close the doors. We can't stand firm on our faith. We got to make some wiggle room here. I think this is an area where you cannot budge to the state. You know, if it means you stop taking their blood money, because that's ultimately what it would be, right? If they're telling you, I know what you believe. We need you to stop believing that. You want this check, don't you? Well, then get rid of the check, right? And again, if that means you can't keep the doors open, you can't keep the doors open. Um, say la vie, right? But you have to make a stand for your faith mm-hmm. here. I mean, it's a Christian college. I mean, you have this mindset. I mean, it's true. It's cr- for the church. It's Christ's church, and he builds his church. And if if God wants the college to stay open, God will keep it open. He'll keep it running uh, with private funds. Like, God will provide. Yeah, he will. Um, but even still, like, if you believe it, you believe it. If you believe that the pastorship, as Nikki and I both believe, is for men only, mm-hmm. um, then you can't capitulate on this. Um, you cannot put yourself, your church, and even the students coming to your college, you cannot put them in the position of, you know, saying, well, you know, as of 2021, we now let the state, or 2023, sorry, we now let the state dictate what proper worship is. We let them dictate what the proper office is in the Christian church is. Well, they've already taken, you know, tearing down the the way it should be in the home, the role of man being the spiritual head of the home, and they don't want that in any religious institution. They do not want the man. There is a a blessing in that. Right, and one feeds into the other. They've already done their destruction on the family to teach women that, you know, you don't need no man. You're capable of doing everything a man does. There's no difference between you. Right, and they're going so after the church They walk now. into the yeah. church and go, wait, why can only he be a, a yeah. pastor? It is feminism. Right? Mm-hmm. It's one leads into the other. But so what should we do about it? Um, well, I think we should encourage Moody, you know, as best we can. We mentioned they're on X, Twitter, whatever that nonsense is. So... I sent them a message, just an encouragement. Again, did they see it? Who knows? But you can send them a message. You can email them, tell them to stand strong, stand for their faith, stand for the Word of God. Um, I think also, hopefully, somebody will send them a copy of the Essential Church movie, <laughs> because this is on the same level, right? We talked about that movie two weeks ago or so, um, where these different churches around the country and in Canada, you know, they they went to jail to stand against the government and say, you're not telling us how we're allowed to worship as Christians. I'm willing to go to jail for this. You can, you know, in Canada, they were, you know, fencing off churches. It's crazy. Then the pastors refuse to relent. And this needs to be on the same level. You know, if you're going to allow your church to be um, dictated by godless bureaucrats, they get to tell you how to worship. They get to tell you how to serve God. Yeah. Um, That cannot stand. Uh, That has to be a principle that cannot stand no matter what comes your way. You've got to make that line in the sand. Um, And I heard somebody mention today and thought it was pretty uh, interesting. You know, they said that we're in America, we're really the only group of Christians in the last 2000 years since Christianity has been a faith that um, hasn't been persecuted in a real way. Mm -hmm. And that should probably tell us that it's high time for persecution to come our way. We've had it good for 250 years, um, but we have no reason to expect that that will continue indefinitely. Um, You know, the Constitution is largely a social compact. You know, both sides kind of have to agree to adhere to it. And we're seeing a lot of people in leadership positions that no longer want to adhere to it. Um, 
Mm. So, you know, as Christians, again, we try to be good citizens, follow the law. But, you know, this is a, I would say, largely a misconception on the Romans 13, which the Essential Church movie does a great job of explaining that, you know, God is the sovereign authority over all, and church and state are their own separate spheres. Mm -hmm. State does not get to govern church, and church likewise should not govern state. But Uh, church prays for the state, and God is over that. Right. The church should empower the state. I mean, they should both work together, you know, but one doesn't have authority over the other. We're very good on the church not having authority over the state in this country, but we're increasingly becoming bad about letting the state have control of the church. Um, So I think that's a misconception on Romans 13. But so maybe Moody could watch that and just realize they can't capitulate. They have to stand strong or Mm -hmm. stand strong here. Um, And then I think if they haven't already, you know, of what this girl is saying and they brought her in and lied and did this sort of stuff, then they should repent. They should acknowledge that and they should repent for that. Um, And then they should return to their sound doctrine because their principles, at least in regards to male headship in the church and that sort of stuff, we believe is sound biblical doctrine and they should return to that. Um, I was thinking, what, I wonder if any women ever tried to get in at master's seminary. No. What would happen? Do they ever try? I'm sure they try, you know, but it's handled and if they ever try to file anything against them. And maybe they do. And again, shame on them uh, if that's the case, because it's, it's a school whose beliefs are male headship in the pastorship office. They have master's university, which teaches biblical, you know, theology and um, counseling programs I mean, the same that thing women can like... go to, but the seminary is exclusively for men because the seminary is a school that trains pastors. So, yeah. but I'm sure that there have been women that have tried. Um, I have no doubt. That's probably happening at every seminary yeah, around the world. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, for Moody, right? If the money, you know, is just too important, um, then I think every... You know, if that's the case, right, we got Title IX funds, we can't possibly turn it down. So if that means we got to ordain, well, then every church, every seminary, you know, every Christian college in the country might as well just jump on board. Yeah, I know. Go and hire your resident, you know, black, trans, lesbian woman to run your pastorship program and just, you know, make the path easy for the state religion. Um, Otherwise, grow a spine, stand on the word of God. And I know that that's easy for me to say, right? Thousands of miles away, no skin in the game. Um, but we need these institutions that, you know, do actually have a voice and do have some authority to throw around mm-hmm. to make the stand. I mean, yeah, again, the essential church, you know, what Grace Community Church and these other churches around the country did breathe life into Christians all across the nation. Mm-hmm. You know, they took the fight so that we could stand confidently and this is what Moody needs to do here. They need to be sort of, you know, uh, leading the way on this, standing boldly for God's word. So how should we pray about it? Because Christians should be praying about everything. Well, I think we should pray for Moody and the school's leadership. You know, again, that they would have boldness and courage to stand for the convictions that they have. Um, and again, it's easy for us to sit here and say they should. I, I'm under no, you know, misconception that it's easy from their seat. You know, I think the girl in her article mentions that they've taken like $24 million in. In uh, Title IX funds up to this point. That's not easy to give away. 
you know, I fully agree with there. I understand that. So, um, but we need to pray for them that they would have the courage to do that. You know, uh, I'm sure that they wouldn't take the government's blood money if they didn't need it or think they needed it. Um, so just pray, you know, that they'd have the courage, but then that they wouldn't be driven by fear, you know, that they would make sound decisions in faith. And then also just pray for the lawyers and the judges, you know, that are handling this case, that God would move on their hearts and that they would, you know, stand for religious freedom. And then also I would say pray for Jenny Garrick, that she would come to um, a more firm and solid understanding of God's word and she would repent where she's been wrong as well. Maybe there's some repentance that needs to go around for everybody there. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would hurt. So do you have any final thoughts here on Jenny Garrick, Moody, diversity, inclusion, and equity as a whole before we move on? We can move on. We talk about that a lot. (laughs) It's important. That's what we're here for. So we'll save it for another. Oh, I'm sure we'll talk about it again. (laughs) For America's climate goals, investing in clean energy adds up. But what doesn't add up is an additionality requirement for clean hydrogen. Additionality would put an unnecessary and inequitable burden on domestic clean hydrogen producers and have serious consequences for America. America needs clean hydrogen, but an additionality requirement just doesn't add up. Get the facts at cleanhydrogentoday.org. Paid for by the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association. The U.S. Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash career slash USBP. So the next thing that we want to talk about here is something that we've never really discussed on this show before. Maybe once or twice, a few, you know, a throwaway story or whatever, but we want to talk about biblical archaeology, uh, which is kind of a weird mix to go along with this sto- uh, or this podcast. You know, the first story that we talked about, but that's kind of what we do here. We just see what shows up week by week and we talk about it. So um, we want to talk about biblical archaeology. And I'm sure that most of you watching our podcast, listening to the podcast would claim to have a belief in the, you know, the truth of the Bible, the claims that it makes. Um, Janae Garrick might not, but most will, uh, but it never hurts to be reminded of that, you know, yeah. and it, you know, especially in today's age where so many, you know, seem to be attacking it with 24 hour news media, social media, internet, you get bombarded with attacks on the Bible. You know, people like Jenny Garrick, uh, Janae Garrick exist to try to discredit the Bible and its claims. Um, so I think it, helps. And that's what we're going to try to do here. Give you, you know, just some interesting little tidbits that we read. So, uh, the, uh, what we're going to discuss here, well, you know, at least for me, uh, and maybe again, biblical archeology, span you may not care about, or you may know about it, but when I saw this and the reason why I thought it was interesting, um, and again, I'm going through old Testament studies in college. That's what I just started. And you know, the Bible, it's just, it's not a fairy tale. Like, it's not just a bunch of stories written down, make believe. These are real stories written down by real men. And that's why I think these stories are cool to read about. You know, we know, I guess, in sort of the recesses, the, you know, of our mind that these evidences exist. And that's why there's so much confidence in the Bible. But oftentimes, we don't hear a lot about them. 
if you're not, you know, studying biblical history and these sorts of things, you just know like, well, there's a lot of evidence for the reliability of the Old Testament. Like, well, what are they? Well, you know, it's uh, uh, fragments and stuff. Um, So just to reaffirm those truths, that's why we wanted to grab a couple of these here. People think it's just the the Bible that we have. Yeah, which and even still, that's good enough. If your claim is, I believe the Bible is the inerrant, you know, word of God, it's truthful. You should have wore your Vody shirt tonight to go with it. I was going to, but <laughs> instead I wore my eat, sleep, camp shirt for whatever probably, reason. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we know about some of the big ones, right? We know uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls exist. And, you know, maybe you know about some of the things like the Pool of Shiloh became kind of popular. The um, Hezekiah's Tunnel is something else that they reference that became popular a few years ago when that kind of was discovered. And then there's even things like the Rosetta stone that a lot of people know about. So, um, we grabbed, um, we're using actually the latest installment here of, um, table talk magazine, which we've referenced a few times on this show. It's a cool little magazine that comes from Legionnaire, 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 who knows how you say it. Ligonier Ministries Scott taught me how to say it right. Scott's never wrong. <laughs> um, Ligonier Ministries, and uh, it's just a cool little magazine. It comes once a month. We're not affiliated with them in any way, shape, or form. We just like the magazine, and I think we've referenced one or two stories out of it. So they're talking about biblical archaeology, and we just wanted to grab the some of the lesser known, at least to us um, topics and, you know, evidences that they had in there. So that's what we're going to point out here. They list five or 10. I just grabbed five of them. So we're not here all day. So the first one that they mention here is the, uh, and I'll have all of these linked down in the show notes. Um, so if you want to go read about them yourself, you're more than welcome to. So the first one though, is the Tell Dan inscription. And the Tell Dan inscription, uh, I'd be interested to know if any of you had ever heard of the Tell Dan inscription. I certainly didn't. But apparently, there's a school of thinking in the world, um, and probably in this country, called minimalism. And among many things, they're skeptics of the Old Testament. And what this Tell Dan inscription, um, one of the things they note here, is it was written down just 150 years after David. So after King David um, passed away, it was written down just 150 years. And um, is this article that we'll have linked in the show notes, it mentions this was the first historical evidence of King David from the Bible. So that's pretty neat. When this Tel Dan inscription was found, it was actually the first, you know, kind of extra biblical evidence for the existence of King David. And it says in here, in 1993, archaeologists found a fragment of a steel, a steli, I don't know how to say that. I don't know either. Written in Aramaic in the late 9th century BC that made mention of the house of David. The unknown author of the text boasts of having defeated the kings of Israel and Judah. Mm-hmm. Though fragmentary, it reads, Hadad went before me and I went from blank of my kings. I killed kings who who harnessed chariots and thousands of horsemen. Jehoram 
son of Ahab, king of Israel. And I killed uh, something Ahaz, son of Jehoram, king of the house of David. I imposed tribute in their land. Um, so just a simple little inscription there. But again, they don't contradict our Bible. No, and none of these do. And that's what's yeah. cool about them. They reinforce it. And we'll talk about that as we go through here. But just mm. neat, right? Um, the first extra biblical evidence that King David, the house of David, was real, There's ruled real in house. Judah. Um, just kind of a neat little thing there. So yeah. Um, the second one was the, and I don't know how to say this either, but this one was the prism of Senna, let me see, the prism of Senna Cherub, I think is what it's called. It's a hexagonal prism. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hexagonal prism. There's three hexagonal prisms in it, and it contains the annals of King Senna Cherub of Assyria. Um, so again, it's just sort of, well, it says here, uh, of note, is the record of this king's um, third campaign, which took him into the southern Levant. And um, yeah, the southern Levant, where he encountered the kings of Sidon, Moab, Edom, Ashkelon, and other Levantine kingdoms. Significant for biblical history is the mention by name of Hezekiah of Judah or mm. Judea, and his confrontation with the Assyrian monarch. While 2 Kings 18 through 19, 2 Chronicles 32 and Isaiah 36 and 37 describe Sennacherib's invasion of Judah, the prism contains an Assyrian version of the events that does four main things. Hmm. It confirms the accuracy of the Bible's chrono or chronology of the events. It corroborates the overall picture. It adds details not treated in the biblical text, and it shows how Sennacherib used propaganda to magnify the achievements of his campaign, which I thought is interesting because apparently no matter the year or the century, politicians are politicians. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, it tells the story um, co uh, corroborated with the biblical text here, but from an Assyrian point of view. So again, just validating the truthfulness of what the Bible teaches. Um, that's kind of neat. So that is neat. The prism of Sennacherib, it says in here, it talks about a pro-Assyrian governor that was imprisoned in Jerusalem. And then it goes on as well for uh, Sennacherib describes his different campaigns in Judah. So Kind of a neat little uh, artifact there that, when did it say this one was, was found? Uh, 93 or the first one was 93? Yeah, uh, I don't know when it says it was found, but it dates back to 700 BC for that one. <clears throat> the third one here was the Lachish letters. Let me pull this up. The Lachish, Lashes. I don't know how you say it. Lakish. Probably getting it wrong no matter what. I say Lakish. The Lakish letters. So these were in 1935 and 1938. 
um, archaeologists found 21, they call them ostracas, uh, which I guess are sort of inscribed pot shards. It's basically, you know, pottery. pottery inscribed on. And they found them in the ancient city of Lachish, uh, which was a fortified city in Judah that was captured by King Nebuchadnezzar in 588 to 586 BC, they mentioned. And it says that of the 21 Lakish letters that they found, only 12 of them were actually considered letters. And it says, each letter begins with a greeting invoking God's name, Yahweh, which seems to have been pronounced at this time, saying, may Yahweh cause my Lord to hear a report of peace. And then they know later Jews would not speak God's covenant name, Yahweh, but they would utter Adonai in its place. So kind of highlighting, I guess, the, uh, the date of when these letters were written. And it says, the contents of the letters generally match the biblical description of the time before the Babylonian conquest. Letter three mentions Israelites going to Egypt on official business. And then it says, see Jeremiah 26. 20 through 23, 37, verse 7, and Ezekiel 17, 15. And the last line shows that prophets, such as Jeremiah, were a part of the political scene known by the military. So that's kind of neat. These little letters that were found in 1935 written on broken pieces of pottery just sort of confirm what the Bible teaches. Like, and I didn't even know that we found other things like not that long ago. No. And I had, I had no idea about like any of these. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and some of these are fairly recent, not even the ones that we're necessarily going to talk about, but like, um, I think Hezekiah's tunnel that was found in, that was not very long ago. I feel like I remember seeing that one, but uh, I think there's even one of these we'll touch on where they, found pieces of it in like 2017 so fairly recent stuff i want to be an archaeologist now i want to be indiana jones (laughs) if only real archaeology was like indiana jones it'd be a pretty sweet gig but uh the fourth one here was the i think it's called the ketef of hinnom this one's really cool the ketef hinnom scrolls and these were two metal cylinders. If you're watching on YouTube or um, Facebook or Rumble, you can see the little pictures of them. They were two like metal cylinders about the size of a cigarette butt. Um, but they were actually like plaques of silver with Hebrew scratched into them. And then they were rolled. And one was one inch wide and four inches long. The second one was half an inch wide and one and a half inches long. And they had writing that was Paleo-Hebrew, which is the sort of writing or the script that they used pre-exile to Babylon, I believe. So that's what these were inscribed with. And it says, um, it says the scratched writings on the amulets is hard to read because of the state of the scrolls. Part of the edges are missing and cracked from uh, being unrolled. It is clear, however, that both contain at the end a form of the priestly benediction found in Numbers 6.24-26. through 26. The first scroll also has a section that closely parallels Deuteronomy 
Thus, they are the oldest known copies of a biblical passage, more than 300 years older than the oldest Dead Sea Scrolls. As a whole, the amulet seemed to contain a confessional statement of Yahweh's power to protect his people, including the wearer from evil. So, that's cool. I mean, it's these are the oldest um, written record of biblical passages, older than the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know what's crazy is like, just being an archaeologist, like maybe, you know, there's ones that want to look up stuff like this. Um, just really looking at history, then there's those who just want to dig up dinosaur bones and try to disprove God and just the whole evolution thing. But that you can be, you can have these people in the same profession, but trying to prove the opposite. Well, and that's why I think learning about these biblical archaeological finds are so important because, I mean, we're inundated endlessly with the Darwinian evolution nonsense and you know, the Bible is, you know, fake, make-believe, you know, these stories aren't credible. And then you read stuff like this and you go, oh, they were, you know, they had the books of Moses, you know, hand scratched onto silver, you know. Yeah. What is that? I mean, this is, um, I mean, 300 years before the Dead Sea Scrolls. So, I mean, I don't even know how old these things necessarily are, but I mean, that's, Hundred hundreds of years um, BC, right? When these were written down, and like, and it contains, and that's what's also cool, right? Because a lot of things you'll hear about the Bible is that it's a game of telephone, right? And the Bible we hold in our hand is way different than the Bible they had. And what he's saying is like, no, I mean, you can read these, and it's Numbers six twenty four through twenty six, which is you know, yeah. may God make His face shine upon you, and those you know, Deuteronomy seven, like. No, it's the same Bible you're reading today is what they were walking around with, yeah. you know, back in 700 BC or whatever it happens to be like, that's just encouraging to me. I hope it's encouraging to you guys as well. Mm-hmm. So we have one more here. And this one is the crucified man at Givat. I did Amit. not read that one yet. Oh, this I one's cool. So pick it back up. The crucified man at Givat Hamiftar. So, um, it says in 1968 in Givat uh, which is north of Jerusalem, it says that archaeologists found a tomb that had two rooms in it with 12 burial shafts. And there were eight ossuaries in the tomb. And an ossuary is essentially like a casket or an urn that would hold bones of the dead people. So it says there were eight ossuaries in this tomb. And one, about two feet long and one foot wide and tall, was undecorated with the name uh, Jehoahan, son of Ezekiel. Um, inside were the bones of an adult male in his mid-twenties, a young child, and at least one bone from another adult. In the right heel bone of the adult male was a four and a half inch nail driven from the exterior, the lateral side, through the bone. A fragment of olive wood board was located between the head of the nail and the bone, and the tip of the nail was bent into a curve. Mm. And it says, most scholars identify this nail and bone as the first archaeological evidence of a crucified person, an almost identical find dating to Roman times. So this was the one uh, from 2017. It says, an almost identical find 
dating to Roman times, was discovered in England in 2017. And it says about this crucified man, this find provides evidence that nails were used and seems to indicate that the man's feet were nailed to the sides of the upright beam of the cross with a small board on the outside of each foot to keep it from slipping off the nail. Nails were usually removed and reused, but since this one was bent, it was left intact. Hmm. This find provides evidence that someone crucified could be given a proper, even wealthy burial as described of Jesus. So the reason they say that one's important is because there's been dispute that, you know, Jesus's crucifixion is one of the most well-attested things in ancient times. But there was dispute that, was he tied? You know, did the Romans tie people to the boards, um, you know, or to the cross rather than nail them? There's been dispute about that, but they found a guy and they're like, no, this is from Roman times. And they nailed his feet to the cross just as Jesus was described in scripture. So Mm. again, just lending credibility and truthfulness to um, what the Bible teaches us, right? Even down to how Christ was crucified is accurate, you know, based on these archeological findings. So I think that's just really cool. I like learning about this stuff. Again, I don't doubt scripture, um, but these help. And there's certainly, there's far more Um, of these evidences for the truth of the Bible. I mean, we mentioned the Dead Sea Scrolls is kind of a throwaway. That's anything but a throwaway. Uh, The Dead Sea Scrolls, again, prove that the Bible we hold in our hand today is the Bible they've always had. Mm -hmm. So again, that helps build trust and confidence. But if you guys know of any other evidences that, you know, help you have confidence in Scripture or that you just think are cool and people should know about, let us know in the comments. Send us an email. Because those help build our faith, especially as I'm going through the Old Testament studies and stuff. And, you know, what's neat when you read books that are about ancient Jewish um, culture, not necessarily the Bible, but just, you know, kind of reading about, you know, the names of cities and stuff that they might have written down in scripture Mm -hmm. was not actually the name at the time, you know, when Abraham was walking Mm -hmm. the earth. It might have been named something completely different, but that's the name that they knew mm-hmm. when they, you know, Moses wrote it down and stuff. So just right. really cool to learn that sort of stuff. So we're going to push our Bible topic to next week. So we're on the road. As we mentioned, by the time you guys are watching this, we will have hit the road. Um, pray for us, please. Um, but we're going to try to keep the podcast coming and we'll get into our Bible topic um, next week. But I did want to give uh, one note here before we get into our recommended listening is a uh, sort of foreshadowing of things that are going to come at the end of the month here. So I saw this on Christianity Today, Beyond the Gender Roles Debate. So if you guys remember, we talked about Christianity Today did a couple of conferences on sort of women in ministry, reimagining biblical womenhood. If you guys remember those. That's what I'm thinking of right now. <laughs> well, and this is sort of building off of that beyond the gender roles debate. And you'll see our uh, Nicole Martin. We remember say, her. I recognize her name. Yep. Yeah. You remember there? her there. So she'll be at this. So. so the one girl who's not like, is it just the Lauren McAfee? She has complementarian. I don't know any of them besides Nicole Martin. Oh, it just, they mentioned. On the, Maybe I didn't read much about this. I, I just, just saw the headline bit. and I thought, 
Yeah, we're going to talk about that. So I just wondered if on, she was the only one in that. I'm sure there's no way they're going to have an even split <laughs> or, you know, a bunch of complementarians. She'll probably be the only one. But that'll come out on the 23rd. We'll hope to talk about it on the 25th, I believe, might be the Saturday. Uh, we'll see. But just uh, a little bit of foreshadowing there. We will be talking about it, I, I imagine. So <laughs> unless the world burns down around us during that week, then we may skip it. But we'll always get back to it. So before we roll into our recommended listening, is there any final thoughts you have on the no. news article? <laughs> Nothing? No. All right. So for our recommended listening this week, we just want to build off this idea of archaeological evidence. So we got a YouTube video here from Alan Parr, and it's 10 shocking biblical archaeological discoveries. Um, pretty funny title there, but it's just him and I believe it's Jeremiah Johnston that are going through. Oh, and if you look on here, I think this might even be the bone of mm. the guy. So they might even talk it about looks, some of the ones that yeah. we were discussing um, if you're watching on the podcast. But go give that a video a listen. Um, they got 10. We only listed five here today. So again, it's encouraging to know that the books we're reading are true and accurate and they always have been. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the same book we've had for thousands of years. So that is all we have um, for this week. Again, we are stepping away from the daily devotionals for the next couple of months. We'll see. I'm already getting an itch to write devotionals. So we'll see how long this actually lasts. Um, pray for me that I don't lose focus. But otherwise, at the very least, we'll be back on Saturday seeing what the world has for us. But hope you guys have a blessed week. Please pray for us. Mm -hmm.